Welcome to episode 27 of In Touch with iOS, a podcast for sharing tips, apps, and gear for iPhone and iPad, along with related technologies that get us using iOS in fun, productive, and meaningful ways. I'm your host, Melissa Davis, and joining me as always is David Ginsberg. How are you, Dave? Doing great. Glad to be here for another week and another episode of In Touch with iOS. Yay! <laughs> Yay, 27. Yeah, we got episode 27. It just keeps going. Yeah, maybe we'll be on a roll. We'll see. We'll see how far we can get going with this. We're, we got some hot topics, and I don't know. We just have been thinking about lots of different stuff. You know, we had that. I, I thought it was a really good episode that when we talked about Safari, and then last time we then elaborated on that, and this might be another one of those episodes where we might not be able to get through all of it, but we'll we'll do our best, and then we'll just carry it forward to another episode if, if need be. That's okay. A lot of exciting news. Uh, yeah. Apple reported their... Uh, quarterly results i'm gonna talk we're gonna talk about that and then uh you definitely have some good topics related to context uh yes. on note and such. We're gonna dig deep into context today we're gonna crank through some of the news here that was of, of the week there was there was a lot of interesting things happening and apple uh, is making some money and i'll tease a little bit i know i'm sad you're not going to make it to max stock this year yeah. but uh, we do have a, a discount code that's going to be available for all of our listeners we want you to use it but you have to listen to the whole show before Stay we give it tuned. So, I'm teasing it, so mm-hmm. we'll, we'll talk about that later. So, um, but let's kick right in and talk about Apple's um, uh, quarterly results. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. Um, they they recorded a 61.1 billion dollar uh, in revenues. Oh my uh, gosh, they're doomed. I mean, they're doomed. Sell all your stock. Not just kidding. It's absolutely crazy. And then <laughs> I, I was just I was listening to Chuck Joyner. Uh, Earlier, he he does his he did his May update, and uh, he says, you know, I'm not going to try to to the bash the people that are that have been bad bad mouthing Apple and saying, oh, I, I want to say I told you so, but I'll say it, I told you so. <laughs> somebody um, has to. Somebody has to say it. So, but their revenue was were up 16 percent year over year, which you know, I guess the people look at the numbers here, they they're like, okay, uh, what it says, uh, wow, their earnings were up 30 percent. Both numbers are, are were a record for March at the March quarter, and uh, they had. Incredible uh, international sales. Now they they did say that uh, they are going to give a hundred billion dollars back in um, in repurchasing of stock. You know, I am a stockholder. I do have it in my four hundred one k, so I'm pretty excited about that. Wait, can you elaborate uh, on that just a little bit for well, those of us who don't have stock and can't afford to? Like, what what happens I, if I if I would have stock? What does that mean to buy back? So what will end up happening is they'll buy back the stock. I mean, I'm not by no means am I a financial expert, and what if if I am wrong, please disclaimer, you tell me. disclaimer. Disclaimer, I may not be right, but I believe what happens is they buy back all the stocks and then the stock goes up. So uh-huh. then that, that gives us, and then plus they'll pay dividends. So you'll get a dividend back of what, what's okay. uh, on the stocks. I'm not going to have we're received not, a dividend before. That's that's a good thing. It, yes, we have. I've had a number of dividends. Uh, so it just goes right back into my 401k. But yes, still, I hey, that counts. Yes. Yeah, so that's basically what it is. So um, so they sold, um, uh, they, they, they sold, uh, what was it? Uh, Fifty point seven six million iPhones in the mm. quarter. Wow! That was a total of and, all the different models of iPhone. And and they said the iPhone ten has been selling like crazy. Way so better than people had said that they people, were. Shame on you, people! Oh, I can't spend a thousand dollars for an iPhone ten. Well, <laughs> yes, people did. <laughs> Maybe you did. Maybe I didn't. I you, <laughs> was stupid, and I, I've learned my lesson. I've already, th- I've already been scolded over that many times, and we don't have to go back into that. Uh, but uh, and then they did sell uh, eight point uh, nine point one million iPads, which compared to eight point nine million last year. Now that before the education education iPad hit. Uh, yes. Oh, interesting. So th- those numbers have to include that. So I'm sorry. They they said they sold fifty two point two million iPhones, up from the fifty point seven six last year. Uh-huh. So. Um, the other thing too that there had really a lot of a lot of heavy revenue is is their services. I mean, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's that's typical of any uh, uh, computer and technology company like a Microsoft. I mean, they're mm-hmm. they're making profits because of all the services they offer, not not necessarily physical products. But uh, but you know what? Well, Apple still- does it all. They have hardware, they have software, and they have services. Exactly. So I mean. Um, so very exciting times. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm proud to be very into Apple, and, and I think they've, uh, they're doing very well. And I think, uh, I mean, they didn't mention anything else as far as, um, uh, as far as the like the HomePod. I think the HomePod was the one they avoided talking about because I think it's still it's still a new product. Yeah, it's a little uh, bit of a thorn for now. 
Yeah. And but look um, at what we said about the Apple Watch three years ago. People were like naysayers about that. So yeah, I, I'm not going to never say never when it comes to this stuff. HomePod could end up being the next Apple Watch. Who knows? And uh, speaking of that, the uh, the Apple Watch, uh, this was quoted in Fortune magazine. Um, people are saying uh, that uh, the Apple Watch, if it was viewed alone as an, of, its, of its own independent product, it would be the equivalent of a Fortune 300 company. That's I mean, pretty big. That's my gosh. <laughs> for, a, for a little thing you wear on your wrist. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just that's what that was quoted uh, by Tim Cook during during the, the call. So he now says is that uh, because of the bands and because it's kind of a they've they've broken it into isn't. the fashion industry. Does the, that have just, anything any bearing on it? It has something to do with it. I mean, this is very dominant in the um, uh, they're very dominant in, in the industry with the watch, the watch industry in itself. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they've really they've they've really made these watch companies scared, honestly. I just wonder so, how the Apple accessories factor into it. And then when you think about that, think about those of us like me <clears throat> who don't buy the Apple branded uh, bands. But, you know, we'll go to Amazon and all these other places that also make bands for them. I mean, gosh, think about all, all the people that spend on the bands. I mean, I, I am not a fashion person. I am just very fashion challenged. But even I have multiple bands for my watch that's saying well, something. It's it's just I don't know if it's necessarily the bands. I think it's more so just the watch and how many watches have been purchased uh-huh, and how uh-huh. people are upgrading because, uh, you know, they they've upgraded from the series zero all the way up to the series three. So they've had, uh, you know, that's what people are doing. And then they're offering lower end models. So I'm sure that that's giving them some revenue too. If people still want to buy a series one, it's still out there, very reasonably yeah, if priced. Yeah, want to break into it, you know, get into an entry level watch, I suppose. Yeah. So it it's a. Uh, it's just, yeah, the watch business has uh, grown almost 50% year after year. And that's what was quoted in the, uh, during the uh, the session. So, now, how incredible. long have you been an Apple user, Dave? Well, if you read my bio on MacStock, you could find that out. But oh, hint, hint. I threw that out. I, I have actually been an Apple person since 2005. I had, a, I had an Apple uh, G4. Uh, I had a Mac G4 um, PowerBook, and that was my first machine i bought it was used and that was the last year that uh, apple still was using the power pc and then uh, when 2006 came around i uh, bought the first intel mac which was the white macbook and i haven't turned back and then i didn't the reason i ask is because you get pretty excited about being an apple user because of all the the great things have happened i want you to imagine what it feels like for me who's been using a mac since i was 14 in the 90s (laughs) And so I've been an Apple person for even longer. So I'm even, I'm really excited, you know, because I've lived through the times of being kind of like people would look at you funny. Like if you were an Apple user, like, oh, you're an Apple user. You know, like well, it was just, you'd always get this stigma attached to you. I would go back to the 80s and I was using an Apple II during that time in high school. So, uh, but I was a fool and didn't stick with it and then got out of high school and didn't start getting in the computers till later in life so that's where my fault was so that well, that kind of i'm glad you realized the error of your ways i did and <laughs> so yeah uh, that's uh, great news great news I'm, I, I'm i'm so happy that apple continues to do very well and uh you know, it's hopefully we'll hear some more uh good news uh, as things progress here uh speaking of new things uh Apple did seed out the uh, the new beta uh, 11.4 right now it's just the developer beta and uh it's still contending with what they're doing with uh, the AirPlay 2 um, and said so far this uh, does include AirPlay 2 as long with the me- messages in iCloud, which that was the other thing that they're talking about, uh, uh, storing all your messages in iCloud uh, and then being able to pair two HomePods as a stereo. That was that was the one thing that uh, of many things that the HomePod doesn't do. And we already talked about all that. So, uh, but uh, right now it's just in developer beta, so it's not actually as far as I've my last reading of any information that uh, the public launch has not come out as of yet uh, for beta three. But uh, if you are a developer and you have a developer account, have at it, but don't put it on your primary device. I always say that. Uh, so, and then the other big news story was of last week was uh, T-Mobile and Sprint merging. I, I was, uh, I don't know, I was kind of excited about it. I'm, I'm an AT&T customer, so I have been for many years. But yeah, been... I am too. When I see T-Mobile and Sprint, I think, eh, nah. <laughs> I'm sure it's exciting. Make it, Wait, make it bigger. The way the way T-Mobile's been doing things, and John, uh, uh, John Leisure's is a pretty amazing guy. I mean, you watch him on social media and how he how he has just really engaged the company and turned turn this this industry upside down with the 
Uncarrier, and he, he's the one that came up with getting rid of the contracts, and, and, and T-Mobile came up with doing the unlimited data, and so so they've really had a lot of things with that. And I think really what stems through the merger is Sprint and T-Mobile can really accelerate uh, it down to two characters, and that's 5G. 5G is going to be the newer, the newest uh, technology and speed and 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 uh, on networks, without getting too technical. But the and and really not one company could really co- come up with a nationwide 5G network. I don't even think AT&T or Verizon could do that. So the merger of these two companies is, I think, is and what they're really saying is. Uh, it, this this could accelerate the 5G, and then and they did press conferences talked about it and said that this is what's going to come into play here and with the merger. But of course, it's going to get scrutinized. You know, the FCC is going to be challenged. So is the uh, Federal Trade Commission and all all, all 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 the others of the government is going to challenge this. So it's not like it's going to be a done deal as of yet. But uh, but it seems like it's got a potential chance. Um, and like I said, I think uh, I think getting 5G going is going to be a big thing because. And then the other thing I remember uh, they were talking about is in rural America, it's hard to get internet. I mean, a lot of internet providers aren't out there in, in those rural areas. Um, they do have some internet. But a lot of times it's uh, it's satellite or it's really slow. Yeah, and then you get satellite and then it snows and forget about it. Exactly. So I think being able to implement these five G networks, there are there are people who live in rural America, and that's their only means of internet is by using uh, using uh, cellular data to get their internet connection mm-hmm. using the as a or whatnot. So, um, so being able to expand this 5G network across the entire country in the U.S., uh, especially in rural America, I think it's going to be a big thing. So, I'm kind of excited about it. I mean, I'm like, like to see. I like to see how it goes. I mean, I want to hear the the compelling arguments that the government's going to have and r- why these two companies shouldn't merge. Sprint is, I think, on its last leg. Honestly, yeah. I mean, Sprint's been the number four carrier for for, for quite a while. We're number four. We're number four. <laughs> so. Uh, so I, I just, yeah, I just don't see, um, I just don't see any real reason why this can't happen. So, uh, well, it'll be interesting to see that the merger is supposed to be $26 billion between the two companies. T-Mobile would be the primary company and John Ledger uh, would be the uh, CEO. Uh, all the Sprint uh, uh, folks would be on the board. So, um, so that's looking like where it's going to go. Well, we'll see how that goes. As mm, far what as- do you get when you mix yellow and magenta? Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> John always wears everything. Team always he's always wearing his magenta gym shoes and magenta jacket, his hats, and he does slow cooker Sunday. <laughs> it's always if you go on Instagram and, and Facebook, he does a Facebook live, and all he does is he's, he's doing a a slow cooker meal for the for the week on Sunday. Uh, so, Dave, so, are you sure you're not secretly a T-Mobile customer? That's, I'm not. Uh, but I just bought it. Okay. Yeah, like anything else. <laughs> so. Anyway, that's uh, so that was pretty much the, what caught my eye in the news. I don't know if anything caught your eye, uh, Melissa, as far as uh, what happened last week. But I think uh, we... I've been paying attention to the news, but it hasn't been iOS news. <laughs> yeah. I, I've been busy working with clients, so I've just been kind of mired in, in you know figuring out how to get people's problems solved. So I've got uh, I've got two short topics, and then of yeah. course you have a really long to- mm-hmm. topic. But it'll be fun. It's uh, you're going to talk about con- the contacts app, and we'll, we'll we'll get deep into that and see where that goes. Um, the first one I, I had came up with, and I, I had actually one of the uh, users I work with in my office asked me, "Oh, can I can I turn off these messages when That's you how try it to, <laughs> when, when when you try to delete your messages in iMessage? It just I, I got it every time. It prompts me that it didn't used to do that before, and I and before iOS uh, uh, 11.3. What can you turn it off? Well, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so there is a support article I linked to. Actually, it's not a support article. It's a discussion in the, in the Apple discussions board mm-hmm. uh, that people ask that very question. And of course, the first thing is send a bug report to Apple. I sent it two weeks ago. That's one of one of the medicine inventions. And they said, uh, no, it can't be done. So, I mean, there, there, are, there has been some workarounds. I'm not even going to talk about it. But I just wonder, one thing I wanted to mention is, yeah, the, unfortunately right now that cannot be turned off. And, and I guess I see Apple's point why they put it in place is just giving you a way of preventing that you delete it by mistake and then can't get it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's where Amazing comes into play. I, mean, I just saw you put that on there as uh, another app that we're going to talk about again at the end of the show. But uh, So you can recover a lot of those messages if you had to. But, uh, but yeah, unfortunately, you can't do it. So, so you're talking about when you go to you swipe, swipe? When you swipe left and it says delete. You, usually we used to be able to just go a quick swipe and it's gone. Uh-huh. Now when you swipe it, 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 you, it is prompting you, do you want to delete this? And then delete Did you it. want to delete this conversation? No, it's no, it's a message. A single message will not delete. So if you go into a, 
I'm trying message. to walk this walk through this yeah, as you're so, doing this. So, I, I have a message that I want to delete, but it's you swipe across it. It says it gives you two choices: show alerts or delete. You tap delete. Before, when you would tap delete, it would just go away. You mean hide alerts in the purple, and then the red box says delete. Yeah, when you tap delete, it says, would you like to delete this conversation? Right, like what you said. Right, so it's a conversation, it's not an individual message. So well, that, no, this is an individual message that I just deleted, and it still prompts for that too. So, so when I, I go into, I have one, for example, that came from my dentist saying that, you know, I had a message, you know, I had a confirmation of an appointment and I want to delete that because I don't need that anymore. When I go to swipe across it, it's actually, it, it yes, it is a single message, but it's kind of part of a thread, even though there isn't well, multiple. Because there's multiple messages, but even if you had yeah. one message, it still will, it'll ask you to confirm, do you want to delete it? So when I tap on that and I look at the message in the bubble, there's no swiping to delete it. You actually have to tap right. and long press on it then you have to tap on more and then you well, have to then it's checked and then you can go down to the trash can so they do make it purposely hard for you to delete an individual message but i well, know how easy it is to i've seen people go and swipe across and delete a a thread so i just i just wanted to make the distinction because there's a difference between a thread and an individual bubble of a message. Right. Not going into the message or going to the individual bubble, right? You're going to do, um, you're going to do uh, the, the, the actual conversation. You used to be able to before swipe. Just it swipe straight across. Yeah. Straight across, tap delete, and done. Just like mail. Yeah. Like in mail, Correct. you can do that just, okay. and yeah. we, I, like we just talked about in the Safari episode, when you have multiple tabs open. So there's, right. so there's three places here where you can swipe from the right side of your screen to the left side of your screen. I need to actually say that because people are always going the opposite direction, okay. even though pe even people who know they're left from right. So when you're placing your finger on the screen and you swipe towards the left, you get the option to hide or if you have it hidden, it will say show alerts. Uh, and that's also an important distinction. I think we talked about that before, but I'll just reiterate it here. When you're in a message and you swipe to the left, you can accidentally <laughs> mute a message that you may not have meant to because you've tapped on the purple and right. it turns on the purple moon. So be careful about that. But this, the thing that we're specifically talking about here, and like I said, there's three different places where you can swipe from the right of the screen to the left of the screen and delete something. And in this instance, where we're talking about it in a message thread, it now has prevented you from going all the way across to delete it. So in mail, you can swipe all the way across and it'll just delete that message. In Safari, if you have multiple tabs open, if you have 11 million, you can just keep swiping and swiping and swiping and it'll just move those tabs right off your screen. But for whatever reason, Apple has decided that they didn't want people to get into trouble with deleting messages. They must prioritize this. There must be something about that's so important about messages that they've kind of put a stopgap here. Because right. now, like you said, you cannot just keep, you can't just continue on. You can't swipe completely across the screen and it just delete. It now gives you the option. And it probably is because now you can show and hide those alerts. But now when you tap the red delete button, yes, it, swipe, it slides up from the bottom. It says, would you like to delete this conversation? And then you have to press delete. Because before, if you just kept, if you just swiped, you would delete it. And I have actually in the past, before this was implemented, I did delete a thread from my husband that I had wanted to save. Now, luckily, like we, we're gonna, we'll talk about iMessage a little bit later. Luckily, I do back up my, my messages, my text messages, my whole iMessage threads pretty regularly. So it's not like I lost anything. And then it actually came back because it did synchronize somehow. So luckily, I didn't lose it. But I have seen people swipe across not meaning to because they just got on a frenzy and they just started deleting stuff and weren't actually reading what they were deleting and I have seen people delete this by accident. So I can sort of see why that has been put in place, but I can see how it annoys the crap out of people who right. want to be able to delete messages en masse. Now, I guess you could, I mean, if you were here, you could tap on the edit in the upper left-hand corner, and then you get the little circles where you can then select a bunch of threads and then tap delete and then still confirm. That might be a faster way to do multiple things for the people that are really irritated with not being able to just swipe straight across. So right. I don't know that they'll quote unquote fix that. I don't know that that's actually a bug. I think that's more of a feature. Yeah, no, I agree. So I just, I wish that I was be able to delete it because that's what I like doing. You would and like then, to be able to just, you, you find that very satisfying I, being able to just swipe straight across, right? Like cutting through the cake. 
I don't like keeping all the messages in there. And I know a lot of people don't either. So Yeah. So I think there's probably two different camps of people. People who like to keep everything and people who like to be tidy and just clean it all off and, and right. get rid of it. So That's why you run out of space because you have all those messages sitting in there. But, yeah. Right. Well, I do it like on a, on a regular basis. I'll do like a purge. But I do keep them, A, because I'm very forgetful and I like to be reminded of things that could just be like i don't know maybe that's a wife thing so i can say but you said two weeks ago <laughs> see look here it is <laughs> yeah. just saying <laughs> oh. uh and then another real quick tip i found actually this was on the mac observer the article is written by andrew Orr. um he has a uh, tip here on how to quickly delete all ios photos and videos uh, on your phone or your ipad mm-hmm. uh, this is more on the phone so it has the steps in there. We got we got a link to this on the show notes. Um, so basically, what you have to do is you have to go in, open photos, go into albums, and then you tap. You, you go in albums, tap tap on all photos, tap select on the upper right, and then you slide your finger across the bottom four photos that show up at there. Then it says, while still keeping your finger on the screen, use the other finger to tap on the top middle of the notification bar. Ooh, fancy. Four, four photos selected. This will jump to the top of your camera roll since you, your finger is still on the screen. All your photos and videos will be selected. That's scary because yeah. you're thing. So, but there are sometimes people want to purge their photos. And You've got to use a, a Vulcan grip for that. <laughs> you do so. But that's uh, a good ca- thing. That's on purpose. Yeah. So, ca- so take a look at that article because there might be someone might need to do that, and I, that caught my eye. So I thought that'd be a, a good tip. I and, think that uh, is a good tip. You never know when you might need to do that. We threw that in the topics, but because uh, you have a very large tip that you're going to be going over now. So we'll let you kick in here. You want to talk about the, the Contacts app on iOS and really uh, dig deep in some of the things that you have come across. As well as you got excited about, you said you found something in Notes that you I wanted. I did. To well, not in Notes, but I found I found a new thing that I can do in, in Contacts. Right. So the first thing, like I said before in in the last, we did a deeper dive uh, for Safari. So that was two episodes. So please go check that out. Uh, I do like to start out by talking about the settings. That's usually kind of just the first place that I like to go when I'm going to talk about an app in depth. So as you're listening to this, I want you to kind of be following along and just taking a look at it. So the first place I want you to go is in the settings app. And that's always the silver icon with the gears on it. And then navigate to the accounts and passwords section. Now, we're talking about iOS 11. So if you have an older version of iOS, your mileage may vary. These might not be in the same spot. So just a caveat there. This is for iOS 11. Uh, So some things got moved around. There's now an accounts and passwords section. And that's where, under the accounts section, you're going to see any of the accounts that you have added. So I'll use myself as an example just because I, I eat my own dog food and I kind of live this stuff. So I use a combination of services. Um, I have used Yahoo in the past. Um, you know, we talked about that last episode. I use the Flickr product. It's no longer with Yahoo. But, you know, for a time I will set up a Yahoo email account just so that I can feel the pain of <laughs> what my clients experience and it helps me kind of troubleshoot some of their, their needs. So occasionally yeah. I'll have that on there. Mm-hmm. So, and AOL, too. Or, or AOL, yes, or hot Hotmail or any of those other things. Um, I was looking at my husband's phone. Yeah? I said you can't say that you're, a lot of your clients still don't use AOL. Oh, yeah, they do. <laughs> I have several people that still use AOL. When I tried to get him to switch, and I'm not going to name who it was. but Yeah. No, you know what? It still works, though. I mean, for a long time, I won't go off on a huge tangent about it, but for a long time, AOL was really, yeah, it was like, oh, you use AOL? And I hated it because when I worked in the service industry for publishing, AOL was just always awful when it came to, it would just mangle attachments. You know, you could just could not send anything. You've got mail, but good luck trying to read it or open it. Exactly. So, yeah, it was just a, it was a hot mess, but I, I still do have clients who have AOL accounts and they, they're only using it for text emails. I mean, it's not that the big of a deal or they're using it for chain letters or forwards or, or who knows. So it's, yeah. it's gotten better over time. So I'm not going to give them too much crap. And if it's not broken, sometimes we just, we can't fix it. We yeah. have to move on, you know? So. All right. Then get off tangent there. 
<laughs> Don't get me wound up, Dave. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was looking on my my husband's phone earlier. Now he is with the school, so he's connected to like in other businesses will be, and you probably are too, connected to what might be either an exchange account or a Google Apps account where you have to log in with you know a little bit extra special credentials. Instead of picking one of the standardized accounts, you might have to select other, and they might give you special things that you have to enter in there. And so if you're part of an exchange group, then you will also have a set of contacts that can be ticked on through there. So if we were going to look at just these individual accounts, for example, if you were a Google Gmail user, you get a selection for your mail, and then you'll also see contacts, calendars, and notes under there. And then each one of those services, we were talking about how services are, are a thing, each one of those is a service that you can turn on or you can turn it off, and you slide it by sliding the switch on or off. Now, what I usually recommend for people when they first get started is you want to be very um, selective about what you turn on and off in here. You don't want to just have all the switches turned on. You might want to turn them on you know, as you go as you're trying to kind of troubleshoot things because this is where when you have all the switches turned on for all the things this is where you end up with duplicates because you could have maybe had a gmail account that you were storing lots of contacts in you know and we're talking about contacts I want people to understand that we're talking about what used to be called the address book so some people will still call it the address book and some people will call it contacts it just kind of depends on your vernacular but iOS and Apple has adopted the word contacts. That's the name of the app. That's the name of the service in iCloud. That's what we're talking about here. Now, I recommend that people use iCloud. And that's, you know, in part because I'm using an Apple device. I'm helping people troubleshoot their Apple stuff. That's not to say that some people aren't using other providers for their contacts uh, services. But I think that iCloud seems to work the best because it's on iOS and everything, all of the fields are mapped properly. It might not be as much of an issue as it used to be. What do you think, Dave? I mean, because it seemed like in the past, it was like when you went from one contact server to another, it was kind of a nightmare because well, not all the fields matched up properly. Do you remember that? Yeah, it is. And um, to, to mention in the corporate world, a lot more co companies are now using Outlook as the primary uh -huh. email account and uh, using Office 365 as on Exchange Online. And um, they have to use that because that's more secure. They don't want to be using the native mail app because it's not as secure. I see. Uh, and then what happens is in that Exchange world, um, I believe we talked about this last week when I uh, also talked about that app. We, uh, I recommended. Uh, yeah, you touched on a little bit. I wanted you to elaborate a little bit on that. You know, what does yeah, that look so like for, for people? Because I'm dealing with people who have retired. And so right. they're coming from that world of business where now they're a you know regular citizen and they might right. not have those corporate needs. So uh, what, yeah. what happens to the fields? Do they play nicely? Yeah, they do. They play nicely. Uh, the only thing that can happen is um, if you have contacts. See, what happens in the, in the corporate world when you're using uh, Outlook, uh, the contacts are supposed to stay on an island. They, they, you, get, mm -hmm. you, you can exit your contacts in Outlook. But Outlook does allow you to turn on share, uh, uh, sync contact or share contacts to your iPhone uh, address book. Because what happens is, is if you don't turn that on then you, and none of those contacts will show up in your in your iPhone uh, right. contacts list, it's going to show 222-555-333. It's going to show just a phone number anytime someone texts you as well as if someone oh, calls. There won't so be a you, name map to it. Exactly. And I won't have any of the contact information. Uh, now, what, what does happen is when you turn it on, there is that potential or you might have that contact already in your iPhone and then you also have it in Outlook. Then, you're, then you'll end up getting duplicates. Now, I have had some challenges with some uh, users I've worked with in the past that, uh, yeah, they ended up having like uh, duplicates and sometimes triplicates. Um, that's where that contact cleanup app would come into play because it'll really help out uh, clean up and, and then remove um, any contacts that are stored much easier than you have and go through all of them. Mm -hmm. um, um, so... But this is just new within the last uh, 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 within the last uh, year or two. A lot of companies have started changing over to this because they were using. I mean, they were using the the native mail app for many years. Mm -hmm. But so they're how would you? So you in the past you couldn't use the contacts app on iOS to manage your contacts. You had to use the app to do that. You can no. In the past, we did. You did use the contacts app in on your iPhone. Okay. Uh, but there are some companies now are switching over to that. They want to keep everything in a container that uh. 
contained into the exchange online and on Outlook. So, but then you still can turn on save contacts to the phone and the, the contacts will still be there. But if you were ever to leave the company, then of uh-huh. course you access to that. So you want to make sure, you know, keeping your contacts separate, your personal contact. I've always recommended that no matter what company you work for, yep. keep your business contacts and your, and your personal contacts separate because yeah. you never know. Got to keep them separated. I'm going to get a little bit more deeper into that as we move on. Yeah, um, yeah but that's basically in a nutshell how things are happening in the corporate world now is, is with Outlook and contain, keeping things more contained and it's not using the native app. So we're going to see that happening is in the settings under accounts and passwords. You're going to see the list of different accounts that you might be connected to. So back to what I was talking about earlier, you know, I have, since I have my own small business and then my husband has his, you know, he works for an education institution. And then we also have our family and friends that we share together. So one of the tips that I want to recommend is having multiple accounts set up in here, you know, have kind of a, you know, his, hers and ours, or, you know, if you're a partner in a business with somebody like you and I, Dave, if we amassed like a set of mutual contacts, we could use like, we could have uh, a dedicated Apple right. ID just for in touch with iOS, just to use that as an example, we, mm-hmm. you and I could set up an Apple ID, or I mean, we do for testing purposes and stuff where we could set up an Apple ID for in touch with iOS. And then each of us could add that in here as a, an account and we could use the shared contacts. So any colleagues that you and I have together that we share, we could manage together in there, but it's interesting to have your own account for that because then that way, you know, like for instance, with my husband and I, you know, yeah, we have a lot of the same friends, but I don't want to share an ID with him that ends up populating my contacts list with his colleagues and vice versa. I don't want my client's information on his phone, you know, and I don't need to be connected to his organization either. So this is in the section where you kind of keep that stuff separated. So you'll see in there that there's, there's a a line item where you can tap add account. And then that's where you get the choices for iCloud, Exchange, Google, Yahoo, AOL, Outlook. And then there is an other, and that's what I was talking about, where you might be given specific things that you have to enter to log in there. So for example, on my phone, I have my main personal iCloud. And then I have what I call a shared iCloud. I mean, it's just a generic term you can apply towards it so you can keep them so you can know what they're for. And then we have a shared Gmail account that we use just for sharing mail, but we don't use the contacts part of that, you see. So in that section, that switch is toggled off for the contacts. The mail is turned on, but the contacts is turned off because, like I said before, I prefer to use iCloud to manage the contacts portion of that. So for example, I have a shared iCloud account that's just for my husband and I to use. And the Mm -hmm. only two things that I have checked that I have turned on is contacts and notes. Now notes was an experiment that isn't working out so well. So for the sake of this discussion, I basically am only using that ID just for contacts. I know that sounds like overkill, but that's what works for us. And so we just use that one, that account, to put all of our friends and family members that are common. And then what's nice about that is then as our kids get their phones and then as they start to, you know, kind of be responsible and start, like they have their own friends and stuff, but as they get old enough to have a phone where they're going to be contacting, you know, more than just friends and family members, when they're old enough to be responsible for it, then what we'll do is we'll go into their phones and add this Apple ID um, account for the contacts, and then they'll have access to all the close friends and family members. And then they'll be able to see birthdays and all those sorts of things. So that's the part that I wanted to talk about as far as the accounts and passwords section was concerned, because that's really Mm -hmm. where you want to start and make sure that things are organized appropriately for your needs. Make sure that switches are on that need to be on and switches that don't need to be on, make sure that they're turned off because this is where you can run into problems as far as duplicates are concerned. And then I wanted to go into some tips real quick um, regarding that. I discovered this recently and I, I was complaining about it and it relates to contacts because what was happening, I joked with you last time where I said, boy, I know a lot of nouns and verbs. <laughs> <laughs> because I would, you know, be typing a letter or text or something. And every time I would get to a word 
that was also someone's last name, it would always capitalize it. So I think that for a while, probably years, <laughs> what was happening was my dictionary was reading, you know, it was just connected somehow to, because everything's interconnected, was somehow connected to my contacts list. And so every time I type that word, like say it's a person who's got a, a common word like wood for a last name or black or, you know, a color or something, it would capitalize that yeah. word because it thought I was talking about a person's last name and it was driving yeah. me crazy. So I finally decided to, I don't, I didn't even Google this. I don't know what made me think of doing it. I guess I was just fed up to the point where I was like, all right, something needs to be burned to the ground and start over. So I went into settings, then I went into general, and then I went to reset. I knew something was borked and needed to be reset. And in that list is where I saw the choice for reset keyboard dictionary. And yep. now I know I was probably making a sacrifice by there was probably some words that I had built up over time that maybe so far I haven't missed anything. It's been good. I haven't, you know, felt like, oh, that was a bad thing to do. But if you are having this problem and if is if it is driving you crazy like it was with me, then settings, general, reset and reset keyboard dictionary just might be for you. So give that a try if you're having that problem and it's capitalizing things where it shouldn't be and yep. see if that fixes it for you. So that was the first tip that I have. Now, the second thing I wanted to say in, in talking about contacts, and this is just something that I've learned by working for, you know, over a decade with individual people going to their homes, just working with with uh, clients and dealing, helping them sort out their problems and get organized, is that I always tell people the contacts app is your holy grail. I mean, it is kind of the centralized, it's kind of like the nervous system of your phone, your tablet, your computer, because you use your computing devices, your iOS devices, for getting in touch with people, hence the name of our podcast, for contacting and communicating with people. And when your contacts list is a mess, if it is just one hot mess, it's just going to cause you grief. So it really would do you some good to spend some time, give it some love, and really spend some time in there trying to get things cleaned up. Now, what makes this difficult is in iOS, I just said, you should give it some love. I also wish Apple would give it some love because there are some limitations and we'll get to those. There are some things that you just can't do as well or even not at all in iOS. So I do want you to kind of manage your expectations a little bit. The best way for getting organized is to use your Mac, to use a computer. I mean, even if you're not on a Mac, I mean, it's better on a Mac. I'll just say that. This is my own personal bias. You can do these things on a PC, just not as nicely as on the native contacts app on the Mac because it talks to the contacts app on your iPhone and your iPad. So the best way to do it is to get organized in the first place before you start digging into this on your iOS device. Get organized on your Mac. When you are setting things up, make sure that you are setting your settings so that if you're going to view things in first name, last name, then make it that way everywhere. You know, just be consistent. Don't have it be first name, last name on your iPad, and then last name, first name on your iPhone, and then something different on your Mac. You know, try to be consistent. Pick something that works for you across all the different devices, and consistency is key. So make sure that you have a clean list. Try to get rid of duplicates before you start trying to wrangle it on your iPhone. Um, I did go over sharing yeah. sharing a single ID. You know, have your own separate IDs, but have a, a separate ID that's just used for contacts so that you can keep those separated and then keep those clean as well. Uh, make sure that, you know, if you're, if you're going to do this and you're entering stuff, make sure that you're using the appropriate fields. What I see people do a lot of times that gets them into trouble and gets them confused and lost is they're not paying attention or maybe they've imported it, like we talked about from other you know, apps and other services where the fields didn't quite match up. So that's something to be considered because there is a designated field for the first name and there is a designated field for the last name. There's also a field for the, if you want to have a middle name, a nickname, there's all these different fields. You have to make sure that you're putting the last name in the last name field because that's how it's going to be read to you. This is a database. Um, one of the things that I wanted to to bring up is that um, I like to draw, especially when I'm working with people, I like to draw an analog metaphor, if you will. 
So mm-hmm. I always, when people first pick up a computer, when they first pick up an iOS device, they're kind of lost and it's very abstract to them. And so one of the things that I like to remind them is if you remember back in the day when we'd use a, a Rolodex. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. So, you know, an actual, like, I'm just old enough to remember using a Rolodex. I used to love to play with those things. Oh, I just thought they were just the neatest thing. And you'd flip them, you know, and I, I'm, I'm the type of kid who actually really loved the card catalog system. Okay. So that tells you what my problem is. <laughs> I just love, you know, things being in order and organizing them. And then I also really love to have those organizer um, type of address books where, when we graduated from the Rolodex, you know, first you'd start out with individual cards and you'd flip it, right? There was It was kind of on a spinning, rota- rotating wheel. And then do you remember when we got the the nice, pretty address books that had the golden-leaved yeah. separators with the, you know, each letter was on its own golden leaf. And you'd, you know, kind of stick your yeah. fingernail under it and you could flip it over. And then you got even fancier. Remember in the 80s when we had those plastic things that had, I called them a zipper, where it had the alphabet on the right side and it would have this piece of plastic and you would zip down on the right-hand side and then it would flip open to that letter of the alphabet, that section, and then you could just flip through the cards. I just thought those were the coolest things. Well, the people at Apple who designed the Contacts app must have thought the same thing because, and this is just one of those things that doesn't get enough love. I think people, maybe they just don't see it or what because it's something I always have to point out. When you open your contacts list and you look at your list of people, on the right-hand side is an alphabet, and it's blue, which means that those are kind of like hyperlinked areas. And at the bottom of the list under the Z will be the, the pound sign. So if you happen to have something that starts with a number for whatever reason, but you can zip you can actually place your finger on that alphabet and you can kind of slide it down. And even on the newer devices, it will have a haptic feedback. Have you ever tried that? If you Mm -hmm. just glide your finger down, you can feel it clicking in your hand as it goes down section through section through section. And a lot of people just overlook that. They don't even see that that's there. I usually point their eyeballs to it and they say, oh, okay, that's a lot easier. Now, if you slide your finger down there, you can get quicker. This is a quicker way to navigate through your long list of people. And for example, um, this is one exercise that I'll, that I'll go over just to, for the sake of navigation. When I zip my finger down this alphabet, if I go all the way to the bottom, it gets me to the Z section. When I swipe up from the bottom, I can easily see that between all of the groups and stuff that I have, I have 850 contacts. So knowing what that number is is helpful because when you're trying to get things cleaned up, you're going to want to be looking at that number because if you're losing, you know, if you lose 200 contacts, you know, you have probably have a problem. Something's probably switched yep. off or disabled. You know, that's a clue for you to look at. So that's how you can quickly get to the bottom of your list by sliding down the alphabet and looking at that number at the bottom. Yep. And then let's say you're, all, you're at the bottom. One of the tips that I always like to share with people is instead of having to scroll. So now I have, I just told you, I have 850, might as well be 11 million contacts. If (laughs) I had to scroll to get to the top, it would take me a while. So the best way and the fastest way to get to the very top. So say I wanted to look something up. Say I got a brand new cell phone and I couldn't remember the number. If you tap on the time, you just tap it once. It takes you automatically, automatically all the way to the very tippy top of your list. And yep. then it also reveals the search field where you can search for people. So one of the things that I see a lot of people do is for whatever reason, they can't seem to find their own card, their own contact card. A lot of people are new to cell phones. They may have just gotten a new number. They're so used to using a landline. I mean, that's kind of going the way of the dinosaur, right? Landlines are starting to become a thing of the past. And so people are having to rely on their cell phones. And a lot of times people don't have their, they don't know what their cell phone number is. Or Mm -hmm. maybe there's something in their contact card that they need to reference. And I have seen people make multiple contact card entries with their name or the name of their loved one because they just don't have the skills in navigating this list. And so they'll put it last name, first name. They'll put it first name, last name. They'll put I-C-E in the front of it. They'll put it in some other, you know, maybe a little little nickname like Boo. You know, they'll put something in front of it so that they can get to it quicker. 
And so this is why I wanted to go over these basic navigation skills, because this might help you get up and down your list a little bit more. Now, I want to focus on ice a little bit. Um, a lot of people know what that is. A lot of people don't know what that is. There used to be a time when we had when flip phones and I, I'll call them bar phones or dumb phones were, were the most popular thing. What you would do, because we didn't have this touchscreen, we didn't have these smartphone technologies, is when you entered your most important people, now in Apple land, they call it VIP, very important person. Uh, but if you say you got into an accident or something and the first responders needed to contact your next of kin or, you know, your in case of emergency people, that's mm -hmm. what I stands for in case of emergency. So that's what people would do is they would put I C E and then they would enter the person's first name or last name, depending on what, how you were taught to, to list names. And then what that would do is it would group everybody that's part of the ICE, part of the in case of emergency list. And there might be three people, there might be one person, but that way first responders or anybody that was coming to help you, they knew that they just had to type the I key to get to ICE. And then that's how they would quickly be able to know who they needed to contact in case of emergency. So the way that Apple has dealt with this is by allowing you to put your most important people uh, in two different places in a VIP list. So in your phone app, if you go to the star in the lower left in the star section, that's where you can then add your favorites from your contacts list. So instead of using ICE in front of everybody's name because you just want to get to that person quickly or instead of putting names in front of names or somehow, you know, coming up with your own little custom algorithm that might not make sense to anybody else, this is where you can put those people and you can put them in the favorites list here. And this is how you can just call people with one touch. All you have to do is, is tap on the favorite star and then everybody else that you put in that list is one tap away from being able to call them. You don't have to scroll down to the I section. You don't have to type in ICE. All you have to do is go to the phone and tap the star button. Now, for the sake of, of argument here, I mean, we could argue that you don't even need to really interact with the contacts list. I mean, the contacts app is what you use to, you know, kind of navigate and organize your contacts and that sort of thing. But once that's all done, you really only ever need to use the phone app and there's a contacts icon and that's what it talks to. It talks to the contacts app, that list, and that's where everything is stored then. And it interacts just the same way it would as if you were in the contacts app. I also wanted to bring up um, something interesting is I work with a lot of people who have just gotten a brand new smartphone, a new iPhone, and it always annoys me because I will get to people who maybe even they've had an iPhone for a long time, maybe a year or something, but they're still, you know, kind of going through the motions and trying to learn how to use it. What happens is they have gotten the phone, but they didn't understand how that, how apps get moved around and how they're organized. And Apple in their infinite wisdom, by default, when they, when they give you a brand new iPhone and you set it up, they put the apps on the home screen, but then they also give you a folder. And I think, I want to say it's called productivity. I can't remember what it's called, but there's a default folder. And I can't tell you how many people don't know that there is a separate contacts app that's in that folder because they just have overlooked that. They, they didn't know what that folder was for. They never really went into it or they went into it, but it didn't mean anything to them or they, they can't figure out where it went. They, they don't know where the contacts app is. And it's because it's by default in that folder there because Apple's trying to give you an example of, hey, look at what you can do. You can actually make folders here. So I just wanted to point that out that if you're helping someone who's new to iPhone, you might want to go and take the contacts app out of that folder and show them how to work with it just to isolate it so that they're not getting confused with the phone features of the actual phone app that you're just focused on just the contacts app. So let me get back to my list here. Um, another little PSA that I really want to, I think is really important because I've seen so many people do this is use the right tool for the job. <laughs> Don't mm -hmm. store passwords, you know, maybe a gate code that might be appropriate, you know, I do that. I, I store gate codes in context because, because that's kind of part of their address. I'm going to visit that person and I need to be able to get through the gate. So I need to know that gate code for that person. And I put that in the notes. But I have seen people, I've worked with people who have stored their passwords 
and not even just their own passwords. They've stored their loved one's passwords. Mm. So use a password manager. That is the appropriate tool. Yeah, one password, you know, whatever. I mean, we're one password users, so I'm not going to vouch for other password managers because I don't use them, but use the right tool for the job. And I'll tell you why this is so important. Not only because you're storing your loved ones or your friends or other people's personal information, and then you, when you put their pa- you know, passwords that you might have, like maybe you helped your grandma with her Gmail account, and you put, your, you put her username and password in there, uh, then you go and you log into Facebook, and then Facebook says, oh, can we have access to your contacts? And you're like, sure, because I want to be able to use all the other services. Well, guess what? Anytime that you interact with an app and it asks you for permission to your contacts, a lot of times they want to upload that data into a database. And yes, it is, you know, that's not always nefarious. It is for the purposes of being able to provide you with a service that relies on getting through your contacts list. But if you have those notes stored in there, that's part of that data. That's part of that, that upload. So that's part of that data dump. And that just makes me really feel, that gives me the heebie-jeebies thinking about people storing their passwords in their contacts app. So use the right tool for the job. Don't, don't be putting your passwords in there. If you got to do something, you know, use a locked note. If, if you're not going to use a password manager, but come on, I mean, use the right tool for the job. Um, okay, I went through that. ICE and, okay, EMTs. Let's get one more topic here because I want to make sure we get into the rest of the stuff here we got uh... We're yeah, the last thing I oh. want to go over, because I want to ask you about this, Dave, is um, the medical ID. Mm-hmm. So that's I because that kind of goes along with using ICE in case of emergency or VIP list. So right. in Apple's health app, that's where you will fill out your medical ID. And if you don't use the health app for anything else, if, if you feel weirded out about Apple having access to your health, that's fine. That's up to you. But there is a section for medical ID. And I highly encourage you to fill that out because this is what EMTs and first responders and other you know, loved ones that are trying to help you, this is what they can access from the lock screen. So without having your fingerprint or your four-digit passcode, if you don't have Touch ID set up, or if maybe say you have an iPhone 10 and you have, you have it set so that you have to have your eyes open, you know, those sorts of things might prevent people from being able to get into the emergency section that they need to get to. So fill out that medical ID. It walks you through it. There's a field for everything. And it's where you can add your the people that you want contacted in case of an emergency. And then it's just one tap away. And then my PSA for that is to teach seniors how to do this, fill it out for them if need be, talk to them about it, and also teach your kids, teach little kids, teach big kids, teach them how to be able to get to this medical ID screen from a locked device. And so from an iPhone that is prior to an iPhone 10, if it's locked, you're going to just tap on it because it'll, you know, shake and, you know, say that you have the wrong fingerprint and that sort of thing. And it will give you a screen. It'll say try again, but in the lower left-hand corner, it will say emergency. And you can tap on that. And that's where you could just dial 911 if you needed to. And then below, below the green phone icon is the red medical ID. And when you tap that, that's where it gives you all the pertinent information and you scroll down and that's where the emergency contacts are. Um, We've used this with our kids for say, you know, we went to a store one time and we handed one of the kids the phone so that they could call us. They, all they had to do is be able to get to the screen and they could just tap on it and they could dial us. So it's just an important feature that I really think people should just know how to do. It should be ingrained in your memory. Dave, can you yep. tell us how do you access that on an iPhone 10? It works basically the same way. I mean, you just without Face ID working, you, you swipe up. Um, it's going to ask for the PIN. Then there, there's a there's a there's a tap for emergency call, and then you tap medical ID. So if you didn't know how to work an iPhone 10, say this was like a foreign object to you because maybe you're either. I mean, just the only thing is you don't have the home button to tap yeah. to bring it to the emergency uh, the screen. But do you have so, to swipe up to get to it, or will it just show you emergency yeah, on the screen? Because because when you when you tap it, it's looking for Face ID, and mm-hmm. if it doesn't see it, you have to it, you have to swipe it up. You have to swipe to unlock no matter what. Okay. 
you know, between the iPhone 10 and the iPhone 8, you know, the iPhone 8, you, you touch the home button and then it unlocks it with your fingerprint. Okay. With iPhone 10, you look at it because the face ID is going to unlock the phone, the lock on the locks, and then you swipe up. Okay. So, so you do have to know how to swipe up on it. So that's it, still pretty it, new. As, no, there's nothing because the words are right there. Swipe it up. It does to say up. swipe up. Okay. Yeah. It's flashing okay. swipe up to unlock on the bottom. Good. So when you do that, you don't know the, the pin. You'll see emergency on the bottom left. Tap that. And then the medical ID information. Tap that. Is it red also? Yes. Okay, good. Because red is important. Yeah. Good. So, so good consistency there. So hopefully, you know, I won't go into too many other details. We'll save that for the next episode. But I wanted to get through those basics of being able to work with your contacts, how you can get more out of your contacts, some tips for using your contacts. And then next episode, we'll talk about groups and a little bit more organization. So hopefully that was um, handy for the first part of that segment. Yeah, well, uh, and we have a couple apps we want to talk about. I'm going to carry over two of them. So I'll just talk about one and then uh, we're going to talk about MaxDoc a little bit. Okay. Uh, so um, the, f the one app I want to talk about is, and I just discovered this last week because I was looking to uh, help our podcast and, and people find us. And it's actually an interesting uh, app. And it's actually a podcast. And it's actually a podcast app like we talked about in many episodes ago about, you know, uh, Downcast and Overcast and all those other podcast apps. Well, this is one as well. And it's called the Radio Public, and it's a free podcasting app for both iOS and Android. So it works on it, and, and then you just all you have to do is download the app. And it's actually not a bad interface. What Basically what it does is it does download episodes when you want to, streams podcasts when you want to, and you queue them for benefits there. And um, it does organize, filter, auto-download. So it's got a lot of the more pop powerful uh, features that a podcasting app has. Um, and it, it also helps podcasters because it because uh, you it also you also benefit uh, uh, a podcast because it, it, it you could get some monetize it can also monetize it so if uh, you know, for the podcaster itself but really more so I'm I, we I'm telling it to you guys because um, you know, this is another way of being able to listen to podcasts and so it is a consumption app but also podcasters okay. use it for podcasting tools right tools yeah okay so and it's free to everybody no accounts needed you don't have to sign into anything that's cool. Absolutely free. That's called Radio Public, and uh, we have a link in the show notes. Download it. Take take a look at it. We're we're listed on there, so you'll also, you'll also, uh, you'll actually be able to uh, uh, be able to uh, see us. Cool. So with the remaining minutes we have here, what I want to do is talk about MacStock. All right, now, go for it. I'm very sad you're not going to be there. Yeah, but, not this year. But it happens. But we we might even do it like we talked about before the show. We might even do a podcast, and I might. Uh, Talk about it. I can't yeah, get find, the... find a way for me to attend virtually. I'm pretty good at that. There we go. So um, uh, if anybody isn't familiar with MoxDoc, um, this will be my fourth year speaking at it, which I'm really excited about. And um, it's, it's, it, the conference is located in Woodstock, Illinois, which is just outside of Chicago. And I actually live near Chicago. So um, so it's I'm local. And we have people coming in from all over the world. Uh, we have some select uh, speakers. And, and, and in fact, this year, the theme's a little different. It's, uh, it's going to be... Uh, we have a keynote speaker who is actually uh, Bob, Dr. Mac Lightus. He's going to be uh, our keynote speaker. And all the usual suspects have going to co are coming back. Allison Sheridan, Chuck Joyner, uh, uh, Wally Trudency. Um, there's uh, just a, a cast of thousands, <laughs> but there's only a couple <laughs> of speakers. We really, they really streamlined uh, the show down. We're going to the, the really the, uh, what the topics are going to be focused on is productivity. So everybody who is doing a presentation is going to be something related to productivity. So, um, I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun, and uh, it's uh, it's going to be a lot, of, a lot, a lot, of, a lot of networking. Being able to meet people, you'll be able to meet me. You'll be able to, to uh, we'll be able to network and talk to people and, and everybody who loves uh, Apple and and there's a lot of us out there. And uh, I'll FaceTime uh, in, and then you can meet me virtually. <laughs> yeah, we'll, yeah, maybe I'll FaceTime uh, uh, Melissa in. So, uh, but. Uh, uh, Mike Potter, who is the organizer, was very kind to, to give us. Uh, we're going to uh, actually have a, a, a code here, and uh, you'll be able to go and register. Uh, normally, the price is $219, um, but with this discount and, and using this code, uh, it will uh, bring the price down to $179. So it's $70 off the original price of a two-day weekend pass. And if you use the, the, the offer code in touch, you can do it in upper or lower case. Just use all one word, in touch. In, in the cart when you are checking out, 
you will save $70 off of that full price of the two-day weekend price and brings it down to uh, $179. So for all the value you're going to get with uh, with Mac stock, I mean, you just you just can't beat it. There's just so much great stuff that's going to be on there, um, and you're going to be able to meet a lot of great people uh, that, that are uh, uh, definitely going to have uh, some uh, great uh, – times I mean, we had a two it's a full two days uh, and we're just gonna have a blast so again if you want to make it out go to maxstock2018.com and uh sign up and register and, and like i said in in the cart when you go in and enter enter the coupon code use the coupon code in touch all one word and with that let's wrap this up all right time to put a bow on it we uh, hope we filled your brain with lots of information about contacts, and I hope that you'll dig into it and practice some of the stuff that you learned. So thanks for listening, and we hope you're more in touch with iOS after hearing this episode. Subscribe to our podcast and your favorite podcatcher, and show your friends how to find us on Apple Podcasts, on the Google Play Store, and on Stitcher Radio, and now also... Radio Public, TuneIn Radio, don't forget that. TuneIn Radio, so look for us there. I'm your host, Melissa Davis, and where can we find you online, Dave? Uh, you'll find me on Twitter at DaveG65. All right. We look forward to bringing you more useful information in future episodes. Again, I'm Melissa Davis, and you can find me online all over at The Mac Mommy. And stay tuned and subscribe for future episodes, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.